So the Sermon on the Mount, um, as I mentioned, says a lot of challenging things. But like our friends in the skit feel, this passage about the lilies of the field uh, might be one of the hardest ones for us to follow. I imagine that a few of us read this and felt almost offended in our reading and reflection um, by what Jesus was saying, right? Do not worry. Don't be anxious. Uh, I don't like to make a lot of grand statements. At least I think I don't, but I feel very little, little hesitation saying um, that's clear to me. We live, our generation lives uh, in a time of deep anxiety. Of all the things that have come up uh, in my conversations with people as a minister, anxiety is definitely number one, the most common thing that is mentioned. And that was true before we found ourselves in this pandemic situation. While I was uh, roommates with Neil, who was one of the founders of Root & Branch, um, he used to have this frame quote, which he strangely put above the toilet for some reason, so I'd have to stare at it every time I peed. Um, it said this, ours is a time of anxiety because we have willed it to be so. Our anxiety is not imposed on us by force from outside. We impose it on our world and upon one another from within ourselves. Thomas Merton said this uh, back in the middle of the 20th century. And writers of his era, many of them, they too describe their time as an age of anxiety. But theirs, I think, was an anxiety, many people have talked about this, um, anxiety triggered by a deep unheaval around the world and the form of world wars that they were experiencing and the unthinkable violence they saw of nuclear weapons and the Holocaust as well as the advent of the consumer age, which was you know, new at that time. So if their anxiety came from there, it, it begs me to ask the question, what is going on with us today? What is going on with us where our anxiety is so deep? And I think it's not exactly the same as what you might find from someone like Thomas Merton. What is it that undergirds the anxiety of our age for our generation? I won't try to give some comprehensive answer to that question because I think it's pretty complicated, but I do want to say and believe at least one reason I've been thinking a lot about um, the answers to this question is that we grew up in a time with an idea that we could fix this world and make it better. And simultaneously, we are more aware of what's wrong and fucked up everywhere around us than any other time, any other people in history. And this combination of things comes with this nice nagging anxiety that there are an infinite number of things for us to fix and that we are never doing enough to fix them. One uh, manifestation where I see this kind of anxiety is how our culture uh, has come to embrace an idea like self-care. When we hear about the importance of self-care, there is, I think, some relief that we feel, a short reprieve from the sense that we are not doing enough. A cynical way of looking at that would be to say that self-care gives us permission perhaps to do less. But I don't bring this up to be critical of self-care as, as an idea. I think within this world we inhabit, it is completely necessary. But that's kind of the point. The problem is not self-care, but the world that we inhabit that makes it necessary. Ideas like self-care, they come out of this system of anxiety that we are in right now. Our problem is not, I think, that we don't take enough care of ourselves as much as it is that something is fundamentally broken about our relationship to this world. 
Today's passage says a lot about this. I think it points to the brokenness of the relationship with a lot of things. Brokenness with our relationship to the natural world, with consumerism and materialism, with the things we put our hope in that will bring us safety and security, with what we think we can control, with what belongs to us, with what we think is rightfully ours. I think that sounds actually a lot like what is pretty messed up about our country right now, but we as individuals are not immune as well, right? And I would argue because of those other broken things, most of all, we are asked in this time and age to consider the broken relationship we have between ourselves and our own sense of power and our capabilities and our capacities. That relationship as I've been saying, is one I think that produces a deep and constant anxiety for us today. It is perhaps too easy to uh, read this passage and think Jesus is saying we should live in some sort of naive state of carefree bliss. Or as many of us who grew up in conservative churches know, to see Jesus as talking about some twisted form of piety that leads to something like a prosperity gospel. Instead, when Jesus says, strive first for the kingdom of God and all these things will be given to you as well, I hear him saying, find a new relationship with all these things that will free you to pursue what is really important and know that making everything right in this world isn't only up to you. These two parts, they go together. We do not have the power to make sure everything is okay and fair and just and right all the time. Which is another way of saying, we do not have that kind of control. And we need to let that idea go. And this is just as true for us in dealing with something like an unexpected illness in our own bodies as it is with something like politics. Now that isn't the same as saying you don't have the ability to make healthy decisions for your body or advocate for things and fight and protest. But there's a big difference in coming at those things from a place of control and worry and anxiety and a place of living out what we believe in and what we value and what we know is right. If you are a Parks and Rec fan and watch that show, I urge you to think about the character arc of Chris Traeger as I say this as an example of what I mean. If you heard me preach back in September, you might remember me talking about the kingdom of God as the freedom of God. And that freedom is demanding. It comes with a kind of death. It comes with the death of who we once were and wanted to be. Strive first for the freedom of God, right? This is a revolutionary thing. We do not get away from worry and anxiety because we get what we want, but because what we want actually changes. Like the birds and the lilies, our relationship to what we desire, what we think is important, what we think will fulfill us and make us happy, these things take on a new shape. They reflect a new possibility. And this is what frees us. If we lived as the lilies do, if all of us lived in this world as the lilies do, we wouldn't have to worry about what we eat or what we wear because we would provide these things for one another because we would understand and know that these things are not ours to hoard or to own. Do you know what I'm saying here? To that point, I want to say something particular again about our generation. Most of us were shaped and formed during the height of this neoliberal lie that we can have 
our cake and eat it too, that we could change this world without having to change anything about ourselves. And believe me when I say this, that I am preaching this message to um, myself as much as I am, and if not more, to all of you, right? What a constant struggle it is for me to live the life that I believe in versus the one that I want to have. But I'm reminded in this passage where my anxiety and worry comes from, from which side of that versus from which it stems. Ours is a time of anxiety because we have willed it to be so. Our anxiety is not imposed on us by force from outside. We impose it on our world and upon our, upon one another from within ourselves. Again, that Thomas Merton quote. And it must have seeped into my brain over those countless urinations that I did because that quote, it resonates deeply with me. While Merton's anxiety and the anxiety of his time may not be exactly the same as ours, the wisdom there is to remind us that the world is the world. It does what it does. What is it that we impose upon it? What sort of choice do we have in this relationship? While we may not have the power to control this world and bring it to heal so that we know exactly what tomorrow will bring, we do have the power to pursue a relationship with all this stuff that brings us not and anxiety and worry, but a peace that passes or passeth, as we like to say, all understanding. That is something we do have a choice in making. And in doing so, we will find our lives looking pretty different if we do it right than what we might have previously hoped for. If there's anything to be offended by in this passage, that is the idea that ought to offend us. And in my opinion, that is a good kind of offense. One, we would do well to sit with and consider like the lilies of the birds, the lilies of the birds of the air. God, I just screwed up my central beautiful ending line. Let me say that again. One that we would do well to sit with and consider like the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. Amen. Amen.